All right, now, we're going to talk about 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 2, 2. Um, generally speaking, we're going to be talking about darkness um, and lightness. Um, in fact, there was a debate in the car yesterday as to whether you could actually say lightness. Um, so we looked it up. It is a real word, so just in case you're wondering. Um, we'll talk about darkness and confession and forgiveness and what that means. Um, I'll just tell you that for me, it's, it's amazing. Um, I've been a Christian now, and, what, and when I say I've been a Christian now, what I mean is that when I um, was a young boy, I had that point in my life that I said, um, God, I'm committed to you, and in the church I grew up in, that usually started with baptism, and so there was a, a, uh, a day that I remember very clearly um, uh, being baptized and really making the, uh, a strong statement to God. I remember that night in my bed before going to bed making that strong statement that um, I, was, I was committed to him for life. So uh, that was almost 40 years ago, I think 38, 39 years ago. Uh, but it's amazing to me how when I look at something like 1 John 1, how that would have looked to me as a, an 11-year-old boy um, and then I think about what that meant to me as I went through high school and college. And I've seen this continual transition um, throughout my life. And so I, I assume that's never going to change um, and that I'm going to continue to change and adjust. And sometimes I change and change back. Um, and, uh, but I feel like for the most part, um, when I'm committed to God, when I'm in prayer, that he uses that uh, to my benefit. And so I'm appreciative of that. So let's jump right in. Let's see if this is going to work. There we go. Okay, so 1 John chapter 5, the first three verses there, um, 1 John chapter 1, the first three verses 5 through 7, uh, this is what the New Century Version says. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Um, so when I was young, I would have looked at this verse. It would have been, to me, all about... Um, how to say it? All about sort of the righteousness of it. Um, but when I look at it today, I start off by thinking about the foundation. Um, to me, the foundation is that God is light. And so it's, it's like everything is rooted in that. If, we, if you can't buy into the concept that God is light, um, which I believe is a metaphor, I always get confused about metaphors and similes and what those are, but when something is something, isn't that a metaphor? I think so. Yes. yes. Smart people like me out here. So anyway, so it's a metaphor. So um, in this case, we're saying God is light. We're saying God is righteousness. God is holiness. God is what's best. That's a way that helps me to think about it. To me, that is sort of this foundation um, that, uh, that we're working on here. Um, and then it says, if we say we have fellowship with him... Oh, we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so for me, I would have gotten hung up several years ago. Maybe not hung up is the wrong word, but I would have been thinking more about the legality of this, about how I am somehow 
not doing exactly what God has told me to do. So God has said I should follow him and have fellowship with him, um, but yet I'm doing bad things. And so therefore, um, I'm even worse than a non-follower of Christ because I'm claiming to be a follower, but I'm lying. And, and that, that would have got me all kind of wound up in that. Um, but today I look at it and I, I just think about the um, sort of the sadness of it. Um, and so instead of thinking about this from the perspective of I... Um, Sorry that I'm having a hard time putting words to this, but instead of thinking of this from, from the perspective of I'm a bad person, I'm doing something wrong, I'm thinking it more about the perspective of what am I missing out on? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's getting older. I don't know that you soften and you see it differently. But as I look back on my life, w when I've had these hard points, kind of these chiseled points in my life where uh, it was sort of a little legalistic and that kind of stuff, I see that I missed out on a little bit of joy in those parts of my life. And when I see God as an avenue to take me from a part of my life which is not so wonderful, which I now see as darkness, um, and take that to a point of my life which is lightness, um, it, it lets me see God as a true father, as what I see as like an idealized father. So it makes a little more sense to me. Um, so I wrote here, if we're living in darkness, we aren't with God. We're missing out on that. If we're living in lightness, we are with God. And one thing that I have skipped across when I've read this, I've read this verse a lot over my life. I, I need a pointer. I'm just going to stand up. <laughs> is, you know, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And it's funny to me how that's so blatantly obvious in uh, verse, that's seven, um, and how I kind of missed out on one of those key points that when we walk with God, when we walk in lightness, when we do the right thing, a direct result of that is this beautiful relationship we have with others. And, and I would argue, my experience has been, it's not just believers. Because in my workplace, when I'm working with someone who is not a believer or maybe not a a really committed believer in some way, and I'm using this word believer, a very churchy word I'm using there. What I mean is someone that would be aligned with me in terms of being committed to Christ. Um, things are still better. It's still better when I live that way. Um, so the fellowship is not, in this case, I think it was probably referring to Christians, but I think it goes beyond that. I think it goes to all humankind. Um, I said here that um, see, if we're living in likeness, we are with God, we're with others, and we are continually ridding ourselves of darkness. And so it's a not a one-time event. It's not a one-time cleaning, but it's this just ongoing thing that seems to, to, to not go away. When I was a young boy, everything for me were steps. Um, I still remember, I mean, I remember it just clear as can be, we were on the playground um, out by the middle school, and we went back in this wooded area that we kind of weren't supposed to be in, but we wouldn't really get in trouble if we were there. And we found a picture from a Playboy magazine. And I remember, I mean, I could, you know, unfortunately, as a little boy, you remember these things. And I remember this. And I remember finding this picture, and it was a woman with no clothes on it, on her. And I remember, like, just holding it. 
<laughs> and staring at this picture and like feeling dirty but wanting to do it and not knowing how to handle that and then I remember going and praying to God to forgive me for that and it was very much the way my life worked in those days it was very much a pretty much singular event and then a pretty much singular round of forgiveness it was like very very nice and clean in boxes because that's the way my life worked as opposed to now I'd be able to look at that and be able to say ah there was a gap in my heart that wasn't able to to see that picture and be like whoa don't go there that's what I needed to be working on but you know you're not there at that point in your life um, so let's go on to um, yeah sorry my, my notes are a little jumbled so let's go on to the next slide So this is what came to my mind while I, was while I was preparing. Living in darkness isn't just separation from God. Living in darkness is separation from the beauty of humanity. I think that summarizes the transition in my life pretty well because at one point I could see nothing more than my relationship with God. I couldn't see kind of a bigger picture to that. But now I see how darkness can really cause all kinds of harm and, um, and really make things challenging for me that shouldn't be challenging. I can see it in the workplace. I can see it in the home place. Um, yesterday, um, I was being a pretty good husband, so I was doing some cleaning around the house and I was washing. Now, here's how, those of you who know me, I'm a little bit logical, all right? Just a little bit, all right? <laughs> So there's not many things happening around me that don't happen for a reason that is well thought out. So I'm washing. So, so what I know is that you put your warm water on in the big side of the sink and you start filling that up to the precise height, which is about a third to half, and you put your soap in there. And then you take that warm water and you turn it over to the rinsing side of the sink, but you continue to let it run. Because I don't care about money, unfortunately. That's not what's going through my mind, save money. I'm thinking about I want efficient sink dishwashing. And so if I leave that in the side where the soap is, it, it, it gives me too much water. It fills up and it waters the soap down. It doesn't work. If I turn it over to the other side and I start turning it on and off, our hot water heater is an instant on hot water heater. So if you do that, you don't get hot water because every time you turn it back on, it takes a while to get hot water again. So you got to leave it running. So I've got a system, right? So I'm cleaning, now I go in there and I'm rinsing. And so Jill walks up and she's like, what are you doing running, wasting this water running? And it's like, chink, and shuts it off. And so I just let it brew for a while, you know, didn't say too much. And then finally I thought I was being polite and explained to her why that bothered me. And, and anyway, she was still a little bitter with me about that today. And that's, that's like, that's, that's this darkness. Like, I wanted to win. I wanted to basically make a point to her that she's doing it wrong. That's the, that's the gist of it. Look, luckily, she's not down here, so she can't defend herself. <laughs> and, um, but that is, this darkness is the separation from beauty of humanity. If I could have just been like, who cares? It's just water. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm rinsing with cold water instead of hot water. Whatever. No big deal. But it's like my head won't let me get to that. So let's go to the next slide. I've got some examples for us to think about this. All right, so living in darkness isn't just separation from God. Living in darkness is separation from the beauty of humanity. So I want you guys to think about the difference between selfishness 
which is like, I, mean, I think we all know what selfish is. It's, it's this, this thing of trying to get whatever it is we want, in my case, hot water in my rinsing sink, um, versus what I would call righteous self-care. So in this case, I'm talking about how we take care of ourselves. The difference between what we do to take care of ourselves that falls into the selfishness category versus what might fall into righteous self-care. What I mean by that is healthy self-care. Doing things for ourselves that we ought to be doing for ourselves, right? Okay. I struggle with those. I struggle to know the difference between those. And so there are issues around money, food, drugs, stress, theft, sex, envy, respect, and attention. That last one... I don't know about women, but I can tell you for men, that last one is huge. I see this in the workplace a lot where if a person feels like they are be, being given proper respect or the proper attention for whatever classification they are, you know, they can get really wound up about that. Um, and so what I found is asking myself this question, are my actions helping or are my actions hurting? Um, others, not just myself, but well, myself too, but are my actions helping or are my actions hurting others? And if we really kind of focus in on that, we can begin to kind of work through this. So I've got um, some notes here. So I say good self-care helps you and others. Okay, so if you're taking good care of yourself, doing things that you need to do for yourself, that's good for all, right? Um, but then selfishness tends to not help others and oftentimes doesn't in the long run even help yourself. So let's do a little quiz here. So the quiz that you got and you guys can respond back to me is either righteous or it's darkness. I could have said lightness or darkness because that, that word's weird. So we said righteous or darkness. And you guys get the vote. Alright? You ready? And you guys are like Yeah. Yeah what is it? Go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going to be a test today. Do what? I didn't know we were going to have a test today. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big time <laughs> test. Taking a daily walk. Righteous. righteous. What do you We got a righteous. Righteous. Not righteous. if it's right at bedtime and you're letting your spouse. Uh oh, wait a minute. Oh. You're, you're putting disclaimers on it. <laughs> Not if it's right at bedtime and what? And you're letting your spouse put the kids to bed. Like, you know what? Actually, this is. <laughs> what if your daily walk is a six or eight hour walk that you do instead of doing other stuff and you do that every day okay, that starts to seem a little bit maybe less righteous right all right what about sleeping in righteous or darkness <laughs> Huh? It varies. It varies. <laughs> Again, that depends. I got to sleep in for the first time in uh, two years this morning, and I feel much better. There you it go. Was it was <laughs> It was super holy. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I suspect you guys don't struggle with this, but there are certainly. I remember in college having roommates that their sleeping in went well beyond being a healthy thing and went well into the, it's just selfishness. They just don't want to get up. And they need to get up because they need to get to class and they need to get, need to get some things done. 
you know, and usually that's because of another issue of selfishness, which is that they wanted to stay up the night before and maybe do something that maybe also wasn't particularly helpful for them in terms of meeting, being a healthy person in society. Okay, next one here. Um, reading your Bible. Righteous or darkness? Righteous. Either way. Righteous. Righteous. Could it be darkness? Yes. What? Wait, both elders shaking the head. Oh, don't do that. That is not what we're saying. Okay, okay. So, so explain, explain yourself. Uh, I think if you're reading your Bible in order to find gotcha verses against other people. Using it as a weapon? Yes. What were you thinking, Herb? Uh, just thinking more... Uh, reading it and coming across something that doesn't necessarily line up with the way you think right and you go ahead and you find a way to make it line up with the way you think it sounds like you both were almost talking about a style of reading almost uh -huh. um yep. and i think what i wanted to say about the reason i put this one in here is that it's very easy for us to take something like reading the bible and just say well obviously if i do this action then I'm a so-called holy person. But I think we know in the, in the news, uh, many of preachers and teachers and leaders of churches that have likely read their Bibles quite a bit, um, and yet that didn't yield a, a holy lifestyle. So it's not a gimme um, that reading your Bible is going to yield holiness. In general, it's a righteous thing to do. Um, what about drug usage? Now that's a big depends. Yeah. That's a big depends, right? Mm -hmm. So proper, I shouldn't say proper, I don't like that term. Um, I can tell you that for me, using Tylenol is quite a holy thing because I don't get headaches very often. But when I get one, I can take Tylenol and boom, I go from moderately grumpy human being to pretty happy again. Um, and so there are certainly times that um, drug usage uh, is, is a completely beautiful thing. And, and I want to be careful about trying to completely label this in legal versus uh, illegal and, and trying to get it all uh, tied up in that and encourage people to think about this. Are my actions helping or hurting others? Are my actions uh, really getting nestled in my selfishness and things that I want? Um, or are my actions really about making me a better person so that I can be a better human? Um, I think you get the point. One last thing, what about having a job? Is having a job a righteous or, a, or, a, or is it darkness? It depends if you cross that fine line. Ooh, Ooh. What, what, what line are we talking about? Well, working three hours can expect, affect your spiritual life too. Working what did you say? Like if you work so many hours, let's say you work on Sundays so many times, it affects your spiritual life. Well said. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, uh, jobs are, are this great um, difficulty because I know just as many people um, that are working and the job is very, very much an unrighteous thing. They're, they're addicted to the job, they're working way too many hours, it's completely absorbing their life. They are not being a very healthy human being. Um, I know as many of those as I do people on the other spectrum that are, are struggling to work 
maybe they don't want to work you know so it's like is it good to have a, a job or to, to contribute to society in that way yeah can it go too far yeah and so I, the point of this is that all of these things have these sliding scales um, that we have to, to deal with um, in terms of trying to decide whether we're in darkness or not okay uh, next on my agenda here all right let's go to the next two verses first uh, John 1 8 and 10 if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us all right so confession how do you guys view confession is confession a singular event mm -hmm. is confession something that um, how can I say this maybe I maybe I better say this slightly differently going back to my discussion about being uh, when I was younger the way I saw confession it was definitely a singular event for me um, it was uh, I did something that was wrong I needed to confess to fix that issue I did the confession that's done I got my ticket uh, punched again, so now I'm back to, uh, instead of burning, I'm gonna get to go to heaven, because that's, that's the way I saw it. I, I saw that any unforgiven sin was a ticket to hell. And, um, and so that, that's a really difficult way to live, but that's, I didn't have any good sense of grace or how that might all work. Um, and so I lived in constant fear of constantly confessing all the time, so I was checking that box. Um, and so, uh, I wrote here, but now I see confession a little bit differently. I see it as step one to overcoming denial. Um, and in fact, when I look at this, I now read this. Several years ago, this would have been all about the confession. And now I see it much more about the denial. So if you think about it from a denial perspective, we go back and, and read this. If we say we have no sin, What's that? That's denial. Because, because we did. We did. The bottom line is we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the second half of that sentence, again, for me, screams now that it's not just a singular event. It's not just a singular sin. It's confess your sins so that we can be cleansed, so we can start this, what I would say is a process to cleaning out all the junk in our lives. And then the third sentence there, if we say we have not sinned, again, denial, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so um, I really spend a lot of time chewing on this and, and to see if I believe that statement that is it true that confession is it healthy to think of confession as instead of being a singular event, that it is step one in overcoming our denial of the darkness that's in us? Um, I think it's a reasonably healthy way to think of it. So I'm just gonna stop there based on that statement, um, that confession is step one to overcoming denial and let you guys respond. Uh, have you ever thought about it that way? How, how does that strike you? Um, yeah. We're not honest, and we're in denial. That it's very hard to change or um, become have a different habit. 
Yeah. You do that, so you have to overcome your denial first before you can change. Yeah. And, and it's not necessarily an easy thing to no, do. It's not easy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. walking in the light and then we can have fellowship with each other. Um, if you're intentionally hiding something in you that you know is not right or righteous or rightness, that puts up a wall in front of you, like that puts up a wall around you that blocks everyone out. But if you're willing to share that, it breaks down the wall or there is no wall or it's a step towards breaking down those walls. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a, like a healthy mindset to have of acknowledging that you uh, fall short every day and like acknowledging that and that mindset. But I also think there is benefit to um, having like a, a routine of self-reflection where you acknowledge specifically where you're sitting in your life versus just sort of like, yeah, I'm a sinner, but never really self-reflecting on a, on a, a, a in some intervals during the week where you're identifying your sin. I was raised Catholic, and so you do confession, and also during the services, there's always a time, like a quiet time of several minutes, where you where you confess your sin, and, and just having that time each week where where you are mindful and reflecting on your week, I think it's beneficial. So both balancing. Yeah, the one thing that stood out to me about you know the one-hit wonders of life, uh, e- events that can happen and have finality to them is that being able to confess something that's, that's chewing on you and to have the confidence that at that moment I can breathe again and that I can have confidence that while maybe I'm not pure, maybe I've got work to do, I can have confidence from this point that I don't need to carry that burden anymore. Now that I see some real massive value in a one-hit wonders side. And I think, again, as a young guy, um, that was pretty good after I realized I had stared at this picture for way longer than I should have stared at it. And, uh, and being able to feel not dark, not dirty, not, you know, feel clean uh, through, a, through a confession was completely awesome. But I think also at that time, I couldn't see the big picture to be like, there's still work to be done. Yeah. Got any other thoughts there? Okay, let's go on. Oops, I've got to do it in two places. <clears throat> so, so confession doesn't remove the darkness, but it is a vital first step. Sorry, I had that slide on there. Um, oh, here. Oh, oh, this is good. Yeah, I had a couple of notes here I wanted to say. So ask yourself this question. And I think th- the reason I'm bringing this up is that a part of the denial that I've had in my life is sometimes not being willing to admit or to really recognize, take the time to recognize where my shortcomings are. Um, and kind of like holding strong. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, you've probably heard this maybe multiple times from me. But the time we went to um, a good friend in, in sort of a counseling environment. And, and the whole point of that was to get him to agree with me that not forgiving my father-in-law for the sin that he had done was a good thing. That's what I was after, because I was so honked at him that I just wanted confirmation. Because what I was saying was, the Bible says, if someone comes to you and asks to be forgiven, you should forgive them. And I was like, 
He never came and asked. I don't have to do it. You know, I've got a nice legal stand here. And um, and having that that guy, that wise sage in my life, look at me and just smile and say, the forgiveness is more for you than it is for him. And that's all he said. And I just like melted. Like, wow. Like, you put me in my place. Um, and so asking yourself this question, is there anything that I'm doing that the wise sages, or God, you could say, in my life would advise against? So this is this denial. This is this hiding. Are there things going on in your life that whoever you envision as the wise sage in your life, and Jill actually made a point to me when we were reviewing this. She said, keep in mind that not everybody has a wise sage. So you may not have that. Hopefully you have someone in your life that you see as, as someone you can really look up to. And think if you do, and if you don't, then say, well, okay, let's let's just go with God. But sometimes I think it's good to put a human face to this. I mean, God's a pretty good, pretty good, pretty good wise sage. Um, <laughs> but um, but anyways, asking yourself, um, is there anything that I'm doing that if I were to present that to them, I know they would tell me otherwise. As a parent, it's difficult. Savannah uh, and I were having a discussion just yesterday about something she was wanting to do that I was I didn't really want her to. Discussing how difficult it is as a parent to to watch someone do something that you don't want them to do, even though it's a minor little nothing. It's still as a parent, like I want my kids to do exactly what I want my kids to do. You know? um, so uh, going on here. Uh, so is there anything you're doing that you're hiding? Is there some house cleaning that needs to be done? Um, is there some denial that needs to be stopped? All right. last two verses is uh, 1 John 2 verses 1 through 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Um, I remember that the hope for us is to completely eradicate the darkness from our lives. So for me, it's uh, this confession, this cleaning up. It, it's nice to clean up those individual points. In fact, it's important to clean up those individual sins. But it's even more important to clean them up in a way so that they don't come back, so that you completely uh, clean your, your, your life up. Um, and I'm just going to put this out there because I want you to know that an air, a weakness in my life, and it's a true weakness, if I ask the question, but how does Christ dying help make this happen? It's still a great mystery to me. I, I, I understand um, how there were sacrifices for thousands of years, and this was an ultimate sacrifice, but as an engineer and the way I logically look, thing, look at things, why that had to happen and, and the verbiage that is used around uh, Christ's death. In fact, uh, it says right here doo -doo -doo -doo, um, that Christ is the propitiation for our sins. Um, you know, that, that his death, his crucifixion and resurrection somehow makes this all possible. It's still um, something that I struggle with. Um, 
But I, I say here, but, but there's a life lesson that may actually be the whole point. So let's go to the next slide. Okay. So darkness always drives us towards death. And I, I wrote that out and I kept chewing on Is that true? Is darkness just driving us from God? Or is it really driving us towards death? When we do things that God doesn't want us to do, is it ultimately driving us towards death? Now, you can talk a little bit about what you mean by death. Um, in this case, I'm meaning death that is not just death of your body, but death of life, death of um, death of you, death of, death of everything that is good. Um, and I think that's a reasonable statement. And then, that God is the light and can carry us away from this darkness. Um, and so I can see the logic a little bit of the Christ story. Um, so Christ's death and re resurrection creates what for us? What does it actually do? And, and this is where I landed during my preparation. Christ's death and resurrection creates an escape route from darkness. I can't always make logical sense of why the death had to happen and how that makes forgiveness possible. That's something, I mean, I'm sorry, it's a weakness of mine, but it, it is. I still don't quite pull all that together. But the idea that darkness crucified Christ and he overcame that, um, that to me is absolutely amazing um, and fascinating. Um, the idea that no matter how bad I mess up, not even the world killing me could be bad enough that Christ can't take care of that. That part is amazing. And that part I can grasp and get a hold of. Um, and that part can make me, can really make life quite nice. Um, I think about examples at work where I've been able to quit trying to get what I want and really start focusing on how do I make life better for everyone involved. And just seeing how the spirit, I would call it, and I think it's, it's Christ ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit, can just change that situation and can take a very, very dark time in my life and turn and get, basically give me an escape route from that darkness and turn something that was very dark into something that is very beautiful. So as a final slide, I want to go back to where we started and reread this and think about this just a little bit. So this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. So I know I've bounced around quite a bit here, but I hope you can think about sin and confession forgiveness, maybe through a new lens. At least you've heard my perspective on it today, and it'll give you something to go off and chew on.
Um, and for the next few minutes, I'll just leave this on the screen and we'll take communion. And you can, uh, I'd encourage you to really think about uh, this idea of, of what it means to have Christ overcoming the destruction, the darkness of the world, um, and giving us the hope that we can have that. I wrote here, if you're struggling to understand how Christ's death cleanses you, focus instead on how Christ's death creates an escape route from darkness. Let's pray.